Hey, thank you so much for listening to Behind the Line. This is the Sunday message. We hope that this message builds your faith and fills your cup. Now let's get ready for the word. My name is Trish Davis. I'm so excited to be here at State Line. Some of you I may be familiar with, um, my tall, bald, and beautiful husband and I were here uh, doing our marriage conference. So it was such a treat to be asked back. So thanks for having me. Happy Mother's Day. Um, I am a mama of five, and I have a picture of us. One side is like when we clean up, we look pretty cute. But the other side is really how we act. We're like a wild, wild, wild family. Uh, I have three biological sons, and then we adopted my son and daughter, Jalen and Janiya, when they were seven and nine, six years ago, seven years ago this June. It's been wild. So I don't know what season of life you're in. You made it to church, or if you're online, kudos to you. Like, we are already winning Mother's Day. So I'm so grateful that you are here. Some of you, you woke up to glorious burnt toast in bed. It was amazing, right? People brought you flowers and you've been expecting because you're going to go be celebrated today. Maybe you're going to go visit your mom and celebrate her. It's going to be a great day. It's full of joy. And then for some of us, Mother's Day is a hard, hard, complicated day. Maybe for you today, the thought of Mother's Day in that complicated relationship made you feel like you didn't want to even come to church. Can I just say I'm so grateful that you are here. For some of you, Mother's Day is very triggering because it's another Mother's Day where you have come to church and you still don't have that title of motherhood. And it's just painful. And I'm so grateful that you are here today. For some of you, you don't have a kind mom that brings warm, accepting feelings, and so you're just ready to get this day over with. Maybe for you, this is your first year without your mom on this side of heaven, and it's just a heavy day. Can I say this is what I love about our church family? is because the church is the best place that you can show up in your joy and you can show up in your pain. And so regardless of your age, regardless of your relational status, I'm just trusting that God's going to show up for us today on this Mother's Day. Um, My husband and I, we got married when we were like babies. We got married when we were, I was 20, and we were still at college, and it was awesome because we were living college life and married life. But about four months into marriage, I realized during Thanksgiving break, I did not have the flu. I was pregnant. You guys... We were still trying to figure out how to share a bathroom, let alone share a baby. But Justin graduated um, his second senior year of college, if you can follow that. Uh, He graduated. And we moved. I was eight months pregnant to our very first youth ministry. And so when we moved, we moved away from our college campus and all of our friends. And it was eight hours away from all of our family. And so when Micah was born... If you've experienced giving birth to a child or bringing a baby home, even via adoption, there's something that happens. There's like, all these years later, I can't give a description to it, but it is just like this deep love that you're like, I would go to battle for you, right? Like, ah, so much love. But at the same time, I was not prepared that this child would not sleep for the next five years. In fact, the first couple of months, everything felt hard. Like, everything about motherhood felt hard. My marriage felt difficult. Our finances 
were tighter than we expected. It was just so difficult. And I didn't know what postpartum was, and I was struggling. I remember a couple of uh, months into motherhood, I think Micah was around three or four months, and he was just having a day. I mean, he was a colicky baby, but this day was like he was just not happy about life. And before you psychoanalyze me, I have no idea how I got to this place. But the only thing that would soothe this child is the shower. So we took so many showers all throughout the day to the point where I just stopped getting dressed and I just had my robe on. And of course, it was the day that Justin had to work all day and he had a meeting after work. So he wasn't coming home till late. And so I knew that his meeting was about 25 minutes away. It started at 7 p.m., about 7.15. I'm like, I can't do this. And so I called him. I'm like, I need you to come home. I'm like, I'm sobbing. He can hear Micah wailing in the background. He's like, okay, honey, I'm on my way. Well, imagine my surprise knowing that he's 20, 25 minutes away, that about eight minutes later, there was a knock on my door. Now, mind you, I'm 20 years old, and we live in this uh, house that's like, broken into apartments. And when I saw, when I heard the knock, I looked outside and there was an ambulance. And I'm like, oh my gosh, one of my neighbors in our apartment is like, something's happened. So they knock on my door again and I open it up and I forget that I have no clothes on. Like just my robe. Now, mind you, I'm 20 years old. And so there's this old 40 year old dude standing there. And then there was this young dude that was like my age. And I'm like, oh my gosh. And Micah is screaming. And they're like, hey, are you Trisha Davis? I'm like, I am. He's like, well, your husband got pulled over by a police officer. And he proceeded to tell them that there's a medical emergency at your home. Do you have a medical emergency? And I was like, well, not right now. But when he comes home, I will, you know. And so they asked if they could come in. They came in and we sat down at the table and the older EMS workers like, hey, can, can I hold him? And I'm like, hold him? You can have him. Like, I'm done. <laughs> and so he took this baby who's been screaming and all of a sudden, like, he just soothed this child. You knew that he was a dad. And I just remember like kind of putting my hands on the table and putting my head down just like in complete shame. And I remember him reaching out and putting his hand on my hand, and he's like, you're doing a great job, Mama. And it was supposed to be this moment of encouragement, but it was the first time as a mom that I realized, man, I'm not enough. Like, the common denominator in this relationship is me. Like, I'm not a good mom. I don't know how to do this. And the problem is when guilt begins to take over, when you begin to fear that you are not enough, you begin to live in the shame and you get robbed of joy. Because moms, we are masters at feeling guilty about everything, right? We feel guilty that we work full time. We feel guilty that we stay home. We feel guilty that we homeschool. We feel guilty that we would never, ever, ever, ever be able to homeschool our kids, right? We feel guilty that our, our houses are a mess. We feel guilty that our schedules are overscheduled, right? And you just never measure up to that one girl, you know, who always has it together. You know who she is. If you're here, don't raise your hand, right? Like you just feel like, I just, I just can't get it together. And what happens is it just begins to rob you of your joy. When fear and guilt keeps us in this never-ending struggle, what happens is you convince yourself that you're not enough. But look what it says in Romans chapter 3, Verses 22, it says, we were made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. 
And this is true for who every, for everyone who believes, no matter who we are. I love this passage so much because it's saying, listen, it's not about your title. It's not about your relationship status. When you put your trust in Jesus, God says, you are enough. When guilt says you will never measure up, God declares, listen, you are enough. And so my question for you today, the first of many is, what area in your life do you just feel guilt-ridden over? What area of your life does that fear, that same thought just ruminate in your mind? That you just think, man, maybe I am not enough in this. Maybe I don't have what it takes. What I want mothers to know is that motherhood is not a lifelong sentence of feeling guilt and shame and not feeling enough. Motherhood is this opportunity to express this unique, amazing love. It's this love found in a passage that, I don't know, you may have it on a pillow hanging up in your room. I don't know, maybe you had it in your wedding. It's a, it's a famous passage, but I'm going to ask you to listen with fresh ears today. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, starting with verse 4, it says, Love is. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. This person who wrote this did not have children, right? It keeps no records of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but it rejoices in truth. It always protects. It always trusts. It always hopes, and it always perseveres. I love that passage because the love that it's talking about in the Greek translation, there's actually a couple of different words for love, but this love is agape. And agape is an ultimate love. It's the sacrificial love. In other words, this type of love that love is, it's going to cost you something. And when I was thinking about motherhood and Wonder Women of the Bible, the person that I want to look at today is like my most favorite person because I believe that she gives us these brilliant, amazing examples of what it means to persevere. And that's Jesus' mom, Mary. We see three significant moments in Mary's life where she wrestles with this choice to live in the guilt and the fear that she's not enough or to trust God. In the first moment, if you've been in church, you've heard this passage read many times. But I have to tell you, I grew up in Julia, Illinois, very proud. And it just has changed how I read the Bible. I get a little bit more spicy when I think about how people respond to each other in the Bible. And I think this is true for this moment where Mary is talking with the angel Gabriel. We see this in Luke chapter 1, verses 28. It says that Gabriel appeared to her, Mary, and said, greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. Now, I'm certain that you're probably thinking that Mary was standing there and she was like, oh, Gabriel, that's not how I see it. And I don't think the Bible says it either because she says, confused and disturbed. Mary's like, hold up, Gabriel. Like, you got the wrong girl. Because then she responds, uh, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Like, what is he talking about? And so he replies, don't be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. And I love how Mary responds. Okay. She's like, but how can this happen? Because hold up, I'm a virgin, right? 
you got the wrong girl. It's this moment that Mary is being spoken to by an angel. I want that to sit with you. And then the angel says that you are going to birth the son of God. I don't know about you, but that sounds like an epic moment. But imagine in that, she recognizes immediately that she comes from a small town. She doesn't come from royalty. Her family is like nobody's. Like she doesn't have what it takes to be a part of this narrative. And she is not married. And so there's this crossroad where Mary could absolutely have said, listen, I'm not enough, Gabriel. You need to choose somebody else. But then Mary responds with the three sweetest words later on in verse 38. And she just simply says, let it be. You see, Mary had the significant moment where she chose to choose this agape love, this love that she knew that would cost her something, that she knew that she was not enough for. You see, love drives out fear and it restores our trust in God. When we choose to love, it's an act of trust. To say, God, out of my love for you, I'm gonna, I'm gonna know that you're gonna show up for me. And so my question to you is, what area in your life do you feel like you struggle to love? Maybe a better question is, what area of your life do you choose fear over trusting God? Listen, if this is a struggle for you, can I just say, you are not alone and you are not crazy, right? These are hard, significant moments that we have to show up in. The second moment is one of my favorite stories in all of the Bible. Okay, I want you to think of Christmas time and all of your extended family, like ever, even Uncle Bob all of them together. Now, for some of you, you just got warm, fuzzy feelings. You're like, oh, I love that. And then there's the rest of us who are like, oh my gosh, you know? Okay, this is the second moment that we find Mary and Joseph and Jesus, and they are with all of their family. They have packed up donkeys and carts. Like, I don't, I don't even know what's a part of this caravan. And they left Nazareth to take this trip to get to Jerusalem. And when they got to Jerusalem, they would spend a whole week celebrating the feast of the yearly Passover. And it was this Passover celebration to remember how God rescued the Israelites from the Egyptian slavery. And so that's where we find them. The party has been had, now they're returning. And then this epic moment happens. They lose Jesus. In fact, this conversation begins where Mary starts to realize that she doesn't know where Jesus is. Now, this isn't the Bible, but you know that it's true. I'm certain that she was like, Joseph, where's Jesus? And he's like, Mary, I thought he was with you. And she's like, no, I thought he was with you. And then they got into a big old fight because that's what happens at family gatherings. And then they began to like say, hey, Uncle Bob, have you seen Jesus? You know, like they can't find him. And then in Luke chapter two, verse 46, it says, the next day, y'all, on your worst day of motherhood, Mary lost Jesus for a whole day. Like you're an awesome mom. Like a whole day goes by. The next day they found him in the temple, seated among the teachers, listening to them and asking questions. The teachers were quite taken with him. I love this. Impressed with the sharpness of his answers. Hold up. But his parents, they were not impressed. They were upset and they were hurt. Oh, and then Mary. His mother said, young man, why have you done this to us? Your father and I have been half out of our minds looking for you. 
And then he said, why were you looking for me? Didn't you know that I had to be here dealing with the things of my father? It's my favorite line. But they had no idea what he was talking about. Welcome to raising teenagers, right? But then the sweet moment begins to happen in verse 51 where it says, So then he, Jesus, went back to Nazareth with him, his parents, and lived obediently with them. And his mother held these things dearly deep within herself. Have you ever had a moment where you kind of feel like half out of your mind? Where like this whole deal of motherhood and parenting, it's just like you just can't figure it out. And so out of a response, you start to try and control the narrative. You try to control the situations. I'm really sad to have to tell you that I have lost my children a couple of times. I'm not proud of it. Um, The first one was Micah was about a year old and we were at a friend's house and it was just me and Micah and it was like in the 90s. So it was like the first like open concept home I had been at. And in this open concept home, they had like these windows that like started six inches off the ground. And so it literally was like a minute. I promise you I was not being a bad mom. I could not find Micah, but I could hear him crying. So I'm like, hey, buddy, hey, buddy, cries, cries, cries. Hey, buddy, hey, like, where is he? And then my eye caught the attention of the window that was open with no screen. So I walk over and I find my child in the bush, literally looking at me like you are the worst mom ever, right? So that was number one. Then the second time, um, my college uh, roommates, I love them. They love Jesus so much. Y'all, they're wild. And I'm the rule follower in this relationship. And they are so mean to me because they prank me all the time. And I just, my rule following heart can't handle it. So they were visiting me and we were all shopping in Target. And I had my kids with me. And so somebody over the PA said, hey, Trisha Davis, we have your child here at the guest services. Can you please come get him? And I was like, oh, the girls, you're so funny, you know, and I was only with one of them. The other two were somewhere in the store. And so I find the second one, and then I hear them get on the PA again. Trisha Davis, your son is here. You need to come pick him up. And I was like, oh, my gosh, that lady's getting mad. The third time when my third roommate comes around the corner and I realize that this is not a joke, the lady's like, yo, Trisha Davis, who is a bad mom, come pick up your child. And so my son who's with me today, he's like, now he's like six, nine, he's huge. But he was just a little toddler just looking at me like, you are the worst parent ever. So like, I know what it's like to lose your kids. And maybe you've never lost your kids, but maybe you've gotten to a place where you just feel like you have lost control of your life. And when we feel like we can't get a grip, what we begin to think is that we can't have joy, we can't find our joy, we can't live out of a posture of joy until things are uncomplicated. But here's the deal. Joy is found when we give up control and we learn to love and the messiness of life. So the question I have for you is, what area of your life do you struggle to control? Your kids? your job, your friends? What if you chose to let go and like Mary said, let it be? Because what you will find is that God shows up in the mess. And we see this in this last moment with Mary. And it's this tender moment. It's a moment where Mary has been watching her son being brutally beaten 
where she is in the crowd and she's hearing people say awful things and she's in the crowd and she's looking for all of the disciples and they are nowhere to be found. And she is just looking at her son and she is helpless and she can do nothing to control what is happening. And I envision Mary walking along the uh, the crowds of people as her baby was holding onto that cross barely able to walk, knowing that that cross is where he would be crucified for his ultimate death. And in this moment, we find her at the foot of the cross. And I wonder in this moment, when she was staring up at Jesus, that she began to like think back, that she began to think back that time when she delivered him and held him for the first time and she could smell the sweet scent of heaven still on his skin. I wonder if she thought as she was at the foot of the cross about Jesus being lost in the temple and him saying things that she didn't understand, but she knew that day that her baby boy was going to change the world, but not like this. And I have to imagine as a mom, she had to have struggled I imagine in her mind she was thinking, could I have done something different? Was I not enough in this? I I feel like I I have failed my son. And there's this moment where we see Jesus recognize the struggle going on in his mom's heart. And we see this in John chapter 19, starting with verse 24. It's this beautiful exchange, an exchange of sacrificial love from the cross from Mary who brought Jesus into the world and now a sacrificial love meant to save it. Verse 24, while the soldiers were looking after themselves, Jesus's mother, his aunt, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene stood at the foot of the cross. Jesus saw his mother and the disciple he loved standing near her. And he says to his mother, woman, here is your son. And he points to the disciple John. And then he looks at his disciple, John, and he says, here is your mother. And from that moment, the disciple accepted her as his own mother. Even in the midst of all of his pain and suffering, Jesus spoke these words of comfort to say to his mom, you are enough. I see you. And what I have learned through her story and her example is that love always protects, love always trusts, it always hopes, it always perseveres. Because perseverance paves the way to love in moments we don't understand. Think about that. It's that sacrificial love that paves the way to love from a place that can only be from God, where he says, I see you, I love you, I'm for you. And friends, I'm gonna tell you, I have always loved Mother's Day. I've been a mom since I was barely an adult. I've had a great relationship with my mom. But two years ago, I found myself in a place where I just did not understand. And a very innocent search on Ancestry.com to understand my Hispanic heritage, it came back that my dad is not my biological dad. And he didn't know either. And it was devastating. And it was this moment that felt messy. It was this moment that I couldn't control. 
And then when we adopted our son and daughter, we adopted them in the midst of so much trauma and we were not trauma-informed parents. And so here I had loved kids for 18 years and I thought my mothering is gonna be enough to love these kids back into health and it didn't work. My son continues to struggle. Our relationship is difficult. It is not what I dreamt. It is messy. And I've had to choose if I'm going to wait to find joy after things aren't so messy or if I'm going to choose to persevere. Friends, this is not about a five happy hops to a healthier you. This is about no matter what life throws at you, God's love is. It is safe. It is trustworthy. It perseveres. It allows you to hope when life is a mess. And so the question I leave you with is, do you believe it? Do you believe that just as Jesus spoke to his mother, he speaks to you today wherever you're at. And he says, I see you. And your love is not dependent. My love for you is not dependent on your circumstances. It's not dependent on your relationships. While we were all sinners, Christ died for us, that the ground is level at the foot of the cross. And he says, come to me, that you are loved, you are chosen, and you are redeemed. Let's pray. Jesus, we just thank you so much that you meet us not in the beginning and not just in the end, like you were in the thick of the mess. And you remind us that you know what it's like to be betrayed. You know what it's like for your friends to scatter. You know what it's like to just shout out like, God, why have you forsaken me? You know the pain and you chose it anyway. Jesus, I pray that today you help us move past the cross and remember that you did walk out of the grave and you declared that sin and death do not have the final say. You declared through your name, through your forgiveness, that we are enough in you. Would you help us embrace it? Would you help us accept it? And then walk confidently in it with a joy an unshakable joy knowing that this love is trustworthy, full of hope, and always perseveres. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.